One of the many adventure activities that I'm not interested in doing is zip lining. You know what I mean by zip lining, right? You, you know, there's a bar and you hold onto it as you zip across a wire over an open expanse. Yeah, not interested in that at all. Why, you ask? Well, firstly, I'm scared of heights. But secondly, and more importantly, these, these hands, these forearms, these biceps are no match for the weight of this body as it hurdles through the air. The only way that I would ever even consider attempting to zip line is if I was firmly and securely harnessed to the zip line. Then I might, might consider it. I'll feel secure. I'll be secure. Not when it depends on me holding on, but when I am being firmly and securely held. Now, that's, that's sort of been, that's really been the emphasis of our teaching here the, the past several weeks. Uh, being held. We've been talking about biblical truths that hold us, that hold on to us. I mean, we hold to them, but really at the end of the day, they hold us through the storms and struggles of life. What we need, loved ones, and to get through the, the challenges we face is we need truths from God that will steady us through those storms, that will strengthen us through the struggle, that will help us when it hurts, that will hold us when we don't know that we can hang on. We need biblical truths that steady us through life's storms. And today I want to share with you another, another vitally important truth, a truth about God that throughout Salvation history has been a rock under the feet of the faithful. And um, this truth comes to us from the book of Lamentations, chapter 3. And I'd love for you to turn there with me. Would you please to Lamentations, chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 19 to 24. Now, the book of Lamentations, if you're struggling to find it, it's, um, it's a book we, we don't often go to. It's between Jeremiah and Ezekiel in the Old Testament. Just five chapters, um, but it is a, um, it's, it's got for us today, I think, a real true anchor that holds us through struggles and uh, challenges in life. Uh, Jeremiah was a, in a significant storm in his life. I mean, he was, a, he was a prophet of God who was living through the destruction of Jerusalem. And uh, Jeremiah, it's widely believed, was the author of Lamentations. Now, you recall last week that we were in the book of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk had been told of the future destruction of Jerusalem. Remember, he was dreading that. Well, now in, Lamentation, in Lamentations, it's already happened. And Jeremiah, the prophet, is experiencing it. He's going through it and suffering under the afflictions that the Babylonians brought in terms of total destruction and desolation and starvation and utter disaster and calamity to the people of Judah. Jeremiah was experiencing that. And uh, one of the reasons, I think, probably why we don't often go to Jeremiah is that so much of it, it's really a tough book to read because it describes graphically and poetically the sorrows, the miseries, the sufferings of Jeremiah and God's people in those days. But right in the middle of that book, though, despite all the, the, the turmoil and the struggle and the anguish that's described in that book, right in the middle of it 
are some of the most precious words for believers in all of Scripture. And that's what I want to share with you today. That's what I want to focus on with you, is Jeremiah 3. I'm going to begin reading at verse 19, and we'll read through to verse 24. Sorry, Jeremiah. I said Jeremiah. Lamentations. Lamentations 3, verses 19 to 24. Are you confused yet? Lament Jeremiah is the author. The book is Lamentations 3, verses 19 to 24. He says there, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. He's talking about bitterness, a bitterness of experience. If, uh, he says, he's crying out to God, remember this. He says, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. It's like, it's always on my mind. It's always before me. It's the only thing I can think about. It's there when I try to sleep at night, when I rise in the morning. It's the, this bitter, uh, uh, anguish-filled experience. And he says, and his soul is bowed down within me. It's brought me very, very low. So this is, you can get a sense here of the, the desperation. If you read chapters 1 and 2 and you read further on uh, the rest of chapter 3, 4, and 5, you can see more and more of this bitter experience that Jeremiah describes to us in the book of Lamentations. But notice what happens in verse 21. He says, but, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So in this bitter experience, there's something he recalls, something that comes to his mind that gives him hope. What is that? What is it that gives him hope? Well, he describes it. Verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He's talking to God. He says, the Lord is my portion. In other words, God's the one that I've got. That's what I, you, you ask me, what do I have? I've lost everything, but I've got this. I've got God. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Lamentations 3 gives to us some of the most precious words in all of scripture for believers because it reminds us of a truth that anchors us. If we're, if we're followers of God, if we believe in him, this truth anchors us through life's storms. The main point of this little passage here and the central application that I want to make for you is about this anchor of the faithfulness of God. Did you notice that confession of Jeremiah in verse 23? The end of verse 23, great is your faithfulness. The faithfulness of God is an anchor that holds us. That's the, main, that's the main point I want to make to you today. The faithfulness of God is an anchor that holds us through life's storms. It's the harness that holds us secure. It's the rock underneath our feet. It, it, we, we will hold on to the truth of the faithfulness of God, but at the end of the day, it is that which that truth holds us and strengthens us and gives us hope through whatever challenges we face, through whatever changes we go through. We cling to and we are held by the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God is an anchor that holds us through life's storms. Now, when we speak about God's faithfulness, what is it that we mean? Well, we mean basically the truth. We're talking about the truth or the doctrine of the Bible that teaches that God will always do what he says he will do. God will always keep his promises. God's purposes are unchanging. His character is consistent. What he says is true. What he says he will do, he does. He is faithful. So you can count on him because 
Uh, he is unchanging, always true, always faithful. Now, when we think about the faithfulness of God, I like to sort of try to put some handles here. And, and let me give you three handles to help you take with you this notion of the faithfulness of God. First of all, when we talk about the faithfulness of God, we mean that God is truthful. In other words, what he says is true, always. Jesus said in John 17, in praying to his father, he said, your word is truth. So whatever God says is true. When we think about the faithfulness of God, we are mindful of the fact that he is truthful. The second handle is that God is powerful. When we think about the faithfulness of God, we do think of the fact that he's truthful, but he's also powerful. In other words, he says what he's going to do, and he's got the power to do it. He's got the consistency of character and being truthful so that he is true to his word, but he's got the power to pull it off. He's got the ability to do everything that he, that he says. Jeremiah 32 and 27 says, God says there, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? That's a question for you and I to consider. Is there anything too hard for God? Anything? Are you facing a challenge right now? Are you, is there a big hurdle in front of you? Is there change that you are dreading? Is there a, a struggle that you are suffering through? Is there a, uh, um, a, a barrier that you can't seem to get around that you are, are, are um, struggling with? Well, listen, you've got a God who is able. Uh, there's things that we're not able to do. There's weaknesses that we are saddled with, but God's got none of that. He's, he's powerful. He's able. Is anything too hard for me? He asked. Well, the implicit answer is no. And this contributes to our understanding of the faithfulness of God. Because you see, God's not like us, right? Some people, some people will, uh, uh, well, well, lots of people, all of us, people struggle with, we struggle with over-promising and under-delivering, right? I mean, I mean, sometimes we, we uh, commit to doing things and, well, we end up letting each other down sometimes. Sometimes we make promises that sometimes we just forget we even made. There's other times, though, that we will make promises and as much as we're intent on keeping them, we're prevented from keeping them. I mean, just think in this last year and a bit, is there things that you said you were going to do that you weren't able to do because of the pandemic? That's just a part of our own limitations. But listen, God is not limited. He's truthful. So what he says is true and he's powerful. He's able to do everything that he promises. He's faithful. And so we've got these two handles here that God is when we, we think about the faithfulness of God, God is truthful, God is powerful, and the third handle is that, therefore, because he's truthful and powerful, he's also reliable. So we can rely on him, we can count on him, always, always. You can't always count on people, but you can always count on God. And that's a central truth in the Bible. And that's, that's a truth that holds us through life storms. Now, in the book of Lamentations, the prophet here, Jeremiah, was in a desperate situation. How did he get through? How did he persevere? How did he keep on believing? How did he keep on serving? How did he continue uh, worshiping? What, what, how did he get through what he was going through? Well, he got through it by faith in the faithfulness of God. You see, when we know that God is faithful, when we know he's faithful, then we can trust fully in his word. What he says, Jesus, the, the um, sorry, the Bible, the Bible, again, I mentioned that, that uh, uh, verse from Jesus praying, sorry, John 17, where Jesus said, your word is truth. 
That should speak to us. When, if God has said it, then, well, that settles it, right? God says it. What's that old saying? God says it. I believe it. You know, that, that settles it. Well, if God said it, I mean, if somebody has said it, it settles it, whether we believe it or not. Well, it's wonderful that we can take God at his word and know, know that all of his promises are true. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians that all of the promises of God have their yes and amen in Jesus. That as followers of Jesus Christ, we have great assurance of the reliability of the word of God. When we know that God is faithful, we can trust fully in his word. And, and God had promised, as sure as he had predicted and, and, and told the prophets of coming destruction to the people of Judah, he also had promised future deliverance and future justice. And so, so what's Jeremiah doing here? He says, verse 21, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. And he talks about then the faithfulness of God. When you know that God's faithful, we can trust fully in his word. When you know that God's faithful, we can trust fully in his character. Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. People change, but Jesus never changes. He's always reliable, always consistent. You can count on him. When we believe in the faithfulness of God, we can trust fully in his word. We can trust fully in his character. And we can take his promises to heart. If you know Jesus, if you, if, you're, if you love him, if you are trusting in him today as your savior, then you've got promises that you can hold to. So one of the, one of the, the, the great blessings of the gospel is that in Jesus, we've got promises. What kinds of promises? Well, we've got promises of scripture for the forgiveness of sins. We got the promise of scripture that God will change us, that he'll sanctify us. He works in us, the Bible says, to will and to work for God's pleasure. Jesus promised too that he would be with us. He said, behold, I am with you always, Matthew 28. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's with us. He's with you. He's with me. Even now, here, now, he's with us. That's a promise. We can hold to that. He we're promised the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells us. The Holy Spirit fills us. We're, we're promised too that in the end that when Jesus returns, we'll be raised up from the dead. These, these fallen, frail bodies will be raised and will be changed, will be given new bodies that are fit for eternity. We're promised by, by the Lord that, that, by, that the Lord Jesus will bring us to God. He will bring us into heaven. We've got many, many promises that we can cling to, that we can bank on, that are real. These aren't just things that we'd like to hope will come true. There's things that there are things that are promised will come to pass. They're promised to us. And well, we can take them to heart because of the faithfulness, the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God, loved ones, is an anchor that holds us through all the variety of storms and troubles and turmoil that we face in this life. I want to ask you today, do you believe in the faithfulness of God? Do you believe that he's faithful? Do you know this to be true? Do you believe it to be true? He will not let you down. Do you get that? Romans 10 and 11 says, everyone who believes in him believes on Jesus. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. In other words, in the end, you won't be embarrassed or devastated or suffer loss. Rather, you've got a faithful God. So you can count on him. 
But God is faithful, and the faithfulness of God is an anchor that holds us through life storms. And it was holding, that's what held Jeremiah, and you can see that in this text in front of us. Great is your faithfulness, <clears throat> he says in verse 23. It's, it's something that he believed. You and I are called to believe it too. But here's the thing. One of the problems that we have, is um, that we often have, is when it comes to the faithfulness of God, too often it's a truth that we know in our minds, but it's something that we sometimes struggle to believe in our hearts. What I mean is that too often the notion of the faithfulness of God is something that's an abstract truth that we know in our minds rather than a core conviction that we believe in our hearts. It's a reality that we would confess perhaps with our lips, but not with full conviction of belief. Now, when you look at Jeremiah, I think this is a great challenge for us because we can see, you can get a feeling sense in reading this text that it's not just a truth that he knew, but it's something he believed that he was convinced of, he was persuaded about. He says, verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord, love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You can get a sense here. There's an ethos here. There's a, a passion here. There's a real, genuine belief here. There's, there's an experience here. It goes beyond just being able to pass a theology exam. There's a faith, a belief, an experience of the faithfulness of God that we see in Jeremiah. And friends, it's something that you and I can experience too. In fact, I believe that God wants us to experience his faithfulness. The faithfulness of God is something that we can experience. And Lamentations 3 shows us two ways in which we can experience the faithfulness of God. Look again, verse 22. Verse 21, he says, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Now verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now you see the progression here. Steadfast love, mercies that never come to an end that are new every morning. And then great is your faithfulness. The steadfast love, and the ongoing mercies are experiences of the faithfulness of God. So if you were to ask Jeremiah, the author here of Lamentations, if you were to ask him, okay, Jeremiah, you talk about God being faithful, but look at your surroundings here. Look at the situation you're in. Things are not going good. How do you speak about the faithfulness of God? What does he say? Well, yes, it is something that I know, but it's also something that I've experienced. And friends, there's two ways here that this text shows us that we can experience the faithfulness of God in our lives. The first way is through God's steadfast love. We experience God's faithfulness through steadfast love. He's got steadfast love for us. In other words, it's a love that continues. It's a love that's faithful. It's a love that's persistent. Um... Uh, some of your Bibles, I know we'll read if you get an NIV or if you get a New King James, it says something like, because of the steadfast love of the Lord, we are not consumed. My Bible says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The difference is, I understand, the difference is in some tricky translation there. And that's probably accounts for the difference in how it's rendered. 
The main point, though, in either case is that God's love for his people, for believers, is steadfast. This, this word here, this phrase of steadfast love, is a really important concept in the Old Testament because uh, that is God's steadfast love. It speaks of his loyal love, his, the covenant love with which he binds himself to his people, to those who believe on him. Sally Lloyd-Jones, in her tremendous book, The Jesus Storybook Bible, I heartily commend to you. In The Jesus Storybook Bible, she defines this, this steadfast love, or the Hebrew is hesed, this steadfast love in this way. She calls it God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Did you hear that? It's God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. It, it never stops. It never ceases. It keeps on going. It never gives up. No matter how much we struggle or fall short, it never gives up. It's unbreaking. It cannot be, we cannot be severed from it. It's always and forever love. It's like this song, you know, the worship song we sometimes sing. Your love never Sorry, your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. You know that song? Well, that, it's talking about this, this love that Jeremiah is talking about. Lamentations 3.22, the steadfast love of the Lord. One of the ways that we experience God's faithfulness is in the constancy, the continuation, the unbreakableness of his love. As the followers of Jesus Christ, we know something of this love in a special way, in a way that Jeremiah tasted of in the old covenant. We experience it firmly and unbreakingly in this new covenant in Christ Jesus. Paul speaks about it in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 35, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He wants to remind believers about the certainty of God's love, his faithfulness to love us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Answer me that. Who, who will separate us? What will separate us? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? You, you, we may face many kinds of storms in this life, but are any of them strong enough to cut us off, to, to pull us away, to take us into a place where we're no longer experiencing the love of God? Paul says no. He says, verse 36, Romans 8, he says, As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. God's people do go through terrible storms sometimes. And maybe you're in a terrible storm right now. But listen, listen, loved one. Paul says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure of I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor debt nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. His love is sure, never fails, never gives up, never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love in Christ. God did not spare his own son to bring you into this bond of love with him. So you can count on it. One of the wonders of the gospel of Jesus is that because of him, because of his death and the resurrection and by faith in him, we are loved by God more than we ever dreamed possible. And it's a love that will never fail. 
A prominent scholarly theologian was once asked this question, what's the greatest thought you've ever had? And I'm sure the questioner imagined some abstract, significant theological truth. But instead, this theologian answered this way. And in answering the question, what's the greatest thought you ever had? His answer was this, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's the greatest thought I've ever had too. One of the biggest struggles that believers face, and it's a common struggle that we face when we go through storms and turmoil and trouble in life, is we begin to doubt the love of God. We begin to quietly wonder if he really loves us. What happens is, it's not that we say out loud, I'm not sure that God loves me, but we feel it and maybe even fear it in our hearts. Or perhaps even worse still, we just have a sense of the absence of God's love. We feel distant from him. We feel cold. We feel cut off. Setbacks and suffering have a way of making us doubt the love of God. That's what happened to Jeremiah. Just look earlier in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations 3, earlier in Lamentations 3, verses 7, 8, and 9. Listen to Jeremiah, listen to the anguish of his heart. He says about God, He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. You see, that's what people say all the time, right? You're going through a hard time. You should pray about that. Jeremiah says, I have prayed about that. I am praying. I can't get through. And maybe you feel that. And maybe that experience makes you fear or wonder or doubt the love of God. You begin to fear that maybe, uh, that maybe God doesn't love you. And of course, you know that it's true theologically, but the experience of it, and it can be, it can be sorrowful. More people than you think wrestle with certainty and surety of the experience of the love of God when they go through trouble. That's what Jeremiah experienced. Look at verse 13, Lamentations 3, verse 13. He drove into my kidneys the arrow of his quiver. I've become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood, with a, with a bitter experience. You see what he's saying here? I have a bitter experience and I believe in a sovereign God. So I can only imagine that, 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 that he, in his providence, is bringing me through this experience. What's he feeling? It's a spiritual battle. It's a personal battle, a spiritual battle. Verse 16 and 17, notice what he says. He has made my, my, he has made my teeth grind on the gravel. And made me cower in ashes. My, my soul is, dire, is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. But you could say it sounds like rock bottom, right? And maybe it was. But that's, that's a, this is a point to notice. Because we know that a couple of stanzas later, he's exulting in hope. He's rejoicing in God. What was the difference? Well, the difference was is that he remembered the faithfulness of God. And in remembering the faithfulness of God, it recalled to mind the steadfast love of God. And as he looked to God and focused on him, it began to refresh and renew that sense of the faithful, steadfast love of God so that he could, even in the midst of sorrow and suffering, he could say with all sincerity, great is your faithfulness. This is what I want for you. And isn't this indeed what you want 
22. Jeremiah would go on to say, look at Lamentations 3 and 31. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. What's God's heart toward those who love him? It's love. In fact, the reason you love him is because he first loved you. Any ounce of genuine affection that you have for God is only as a result of his genuine affection for you. We experience God's faithfulness through steadfast love. And my encouragement to you would be to do this, is in the midst of the storm to pray and to ask God today for a fresh, renewed experience, a, a knowing of his love. Romans 5.5 5 says this, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Now listen, I don't think you have to be any kind of theologian to recognize that Paul speaks there of some kind of experience, some kind of tasting and inner knowing of the love of God. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So here's, here's an invitation for you in the midst of the storm. Say, Lord, I believe in your faithfulness. You are faithful. And your love, you're faithful to love me. Refresh and renew my knowledge of your love today. God, remind me and assure me of your steadfast love. One of the ways that we experience the faithfulness of God is through steadfast love. That's the, the, the first experience of faithfulness that Jeremiah identifies here, the steadfastness of God's love. Second, we experience God's faithfulness through a steady stream of mercies. Through a steady stream of mercies. So first way is we experience God's steadfast love we, through first way experience God's faithfulness Jeremiah identifies as the steadfast love of the Lord verse 22. But then he says his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. It's like a steady stream of mercies. We experience God's faithfulness through his steadfast love and then secondly through a steady stream of mercies. It's interesting when he speaks about steadfast love there Love is actually in the plural. And so the sense, you, you could render it in terms of speaking of his unfailing acts of love. The implication, of course, is not only does God tell us that he loves us, but he shows us that he loves us. He demonstrates his love to us through his many mercies, through his many compassions, through his many helps. Of course, that's what I think the prophet means when he speaks of God's mercies. His many acts of kindness toward us, the help that he gives us, the provision he supplies us. When we go through challenges and changes and problems and pressures and we face perplexities and pain, God meets us with mercies to help us through our miseries, to give us the strength we need. When we think of mercies, it, it, God's mercies are, are numerous I mean, if, even if you just pause and think about, think about your own life and your own journey with Jesus. Have, have you ever in your life ex received from God wisdom that you needed? Have you ever in your life ex experienced from God, uh, received from God timely perspective, like an eternal perspective or, or perspective about who he is? Have you ever received from God some measure of relief in grief, any kind of guidance when the way forward was puzzling? 
Have you ever experienced provision from God in terms of financial provision? Have you eaten lately? Have you had a roof over your head? Have you had a shower in the last week? Have you, have you received from God any kind of direction or protection or correction? Have you experienced from God help that you've needed? Maybe just internal strength, courage. Have you ever experienced these things in your relationship with God? These are mercies. This is what the prophet's speaking about when he talks about mercies. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. They have, his mercies have no limit. They are new and fresh for us every single day. When you got up this morning and went into this day, whatever you've encountered so far, God, as it were, met you when you rose out of bed and said, I got mercy here for you for what's ahead. And he'll have mercy for you tomorrow. And the day after that, should he tarry? He's got mercy for me. He's got mercy for you as we go through change. He's got help for us. He's got kindnesses, provisions for us. Just what we need. I call it a steady stream here because uh, Jeremiah's sort of, you know, the, 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 the negative side of it. His mercies never come to an end. And they're new every morning. So I just picture a stream. Imagine yourself standing at a stream at a river. And the water is flowing. And it just keeps on flowing and you come back tomorrow and it's still flowing new water molecules flowing past you new every day it's still flowing and flowing that's a picture of God's mercies oh, that's how we experience God's faithfulness some of you have experienced God's faithfulness in ways never even occurred to you until this sermon we experience God's faithfulness through steadfast love and through a steady stream of mercies. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that is our many needs will be added to you. Well, what are these things that are added to us? That's the mercies of God when they are added to us, when God provides for us, supplies for us. That's, that's mercies. That's what we're talking about. Missy Robertson is uh, maybe a name that's maybe a name that's known to you from fame of the show Duck Dynasty. Her her husband Jace is sort of one of the main characters on that reality show. The Robertson family is known for many things, but one of the things they're known for is their faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, Missy in 2018 uh, read an article by her at, in 2018 where she was talking about the experience of God's mercies as they cared for and they raised their daughter who's had, well, she's, she's had a, a rough go of things. Her, her daughter, Mia, her and her husband's daughter, Mia, was born with a, seri with a, a cleft palate. And if you know anything about having a cleft palate, you know it's a, it's a, a serious condition that in Mia's case has required uh, multiple cranial and facial surgeries. So you can imagine for a mother uh, and a father and a family, uh, how tough it would be to, to go through that and what a challenge that would be, what a test that would be of your faith. I just want to read to you, though, some of Missy's testimony about going through this experience, this journey with her daughter, Mia. This is what she says. She says about this experience, she said, I have learned that when people endure suffering, there is a richness that comes to life that they would never experience without it. If we did not have Mia in our family, I wonder if we would have lived a good but somewhat shallow life. She has brought so much depth to our lives and to our faith, and she has brought so much meaning to what life is all about. 
Mia has taught everyone in our family, through her, her, her own struggles, not to take life so seriously. If anyone has reason to be sober about certain things, she does. Instead, she's lighthearted and she trusts God. She's, she does not worry excessively. She's not a complainer. Of course, she does not always want to do her homework. And she may not like to be encouraged to eat certain foods or to cut short her playtime. But she's never complained about her condition. And that is amazing to me. She continues, I believe having Mia has made my husband and me better parents to our other children. Without her, we might have been tempted to take them for granted. Because of the challenges we face with Mia, we've always been thankful for our boys' health and well-being and have tried to value every moment we've had with them. Because of Mia's condition, our family has met people we would never have encountered otherwise. This also means that we have had opportunities to share our faith in ways that we, would, we, we might not have had. Early in our experience, I learned to say, because we are in this situation, God will be displayed to someone who might never have sought him otherwise. Boy, that has been true because of Mia. This is where our faith and trust in God come into play. He knows so much better than we do what is best for us. I know that in my head at one time, I knew that in my head at one time, but our experience with Mia has made it a reality in my heart. I've also come to know that God loves my children even more than I do. As hard as the concept is to grasp, God loves my children even more than I do. That one thought helps my faith and trust that he is doing what is best, even if I don't fully understand why or how. Finally, she says, looking back, I now know the answers to questions such as, where was God when Mia was diagnosed? I'm convinced beyond any shadow of doubt that he was with us. He was right there that day when she was diagnosed. His eyes were on me. His spirit was in me, leading me, guiding me, comforting me. Even during the times that I struggled to believe, God was loving Mia and caring for our family in ways I cannot comprehend. There is someone who is telling us, I have and I am experiencing the mercies of God. When you encounter God's mercies, you are also at the same time experiencing his faithfulness. We experience God's mercies through his steadfast love and through a steady stream of mercies that he sends our way. So what do we say of these things? Well, as a reminder, again, we experience God's faithfulness through his steadfast love and through everyday mercies. Now, in light of this, I want to leave you with four exhortations. Number one, confess it. Confess. What, what do I do in light of this truth? Confess the faithfulness of God. S say it. Confess it. That's what Jeremiah did, right? Verse 23, great is your faithfulness. You say, well, what good is that going to do? It might do you more good than you think. To say it, to say it aloud. Great is your faithfulness. Lord, you are faithful. Even though others may not be faithful, even though things may give way around me, things that maybe I had counted on are not, are, are not turning out to be dependable. You are always dependable. Loved ones, it does a soul good, like the prophet Jeremiah, to confess it. To say, Lord, you've never failed me. And you never will confess it, loved one, that God is faithful. He is faithful. Number two, look for his faithfulness. 
Look for it. We talked about God showing us or, or us experiencing his faithfulness through his love and through his mercies. Look for evidences of his love and mercies. If you're looking for evidences of his love, you need to look no further than the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that saves you. When you, when you see that Christ died for you, he came into the world to rescue you. Paul says that God shows us his love and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you're looking for God's mercies, just look around at the provisions he has given to you. Even the vestiges of hope that you still cling to in the midst of your sorrows, that is a mercy of God. Look for his mercies. As, as, as we see in Lamentations here, there were, there's many things in life that we will sometimes grieve. But look for the ways that God has been faithful. So what do we do in light of the reality of God's faithfulness? Confess it. Look for it. Number three, lean heavily on it. Lean heavily on the faithfulness of God in your fight against fear and anxiety. Lean the weight, the full weight of your trust on God who is faithful. Loved ones, when you and I worry, when you and I worry, we're doing something that Lamentations implicitly cautions us against doing. Notice again, Lamentations 3, verse 23. He says, they are new every morning. What's new every morning? What is he talking about? Mercies, right? Verse 22, his mercies never come to an end. Verse 23, they, his mercies, are new every morning. When you and I worry, we worry about the future. What's going to happen tomorrow? When we worry, we're trying to deal with tomorrow's troubles with today's mercies. God's given you and I mercies for today. Every day is mercies in you. So he's got mercy for me today. When tomorrow comes, he'll have mercy for me tomorrow. When we worry though, we're trying to deal with tomorrow's troubles with today's mercies. And that isn't going to work. God gives us today's mercies for today. So like we thank him for our daily bread, we can thank him for daily mercy and rest fully as we look ahead into an uncertain future, rest fully in the fact that, listen, you are faithful, and as surely as you have mercy for me today, you're going to have mercy for me tomorrow. And so, God, help me not to worry about what's to come. You will meet me in the what's to come and provide for me whatever it is I need then. Lean fully, rest fully in the faithfulness of God, in your fight against fear and anxiety, loved ones. So confess it, the faithfulness of God. Look for the faithfulness of God. Lean heavily in the faithfulness of God. Fourthly, finally, take to heart the lavish, take to heart the lavish constancy of the love and mercy of God that is ours because of his faithfulness. Take it to heart, the lavish consistency the never-endingness of his love and mercy. Back in 1996, in a zoo in Illinois, a, uh, somehow or other, a, a three-year-old boy got into a, an enclosure with a bunch of gorillas. The little boy was, was hurt and injured, and uh, you can imagine all these people, these onlookers, parents were freaking out as this little boy is in the enclosure with gorillas. One of those gorillas was an eight-year-old female gorilla named Binti. Binti ambled over to the injured boy, scooped him up, and carried him over to the door and cradled him while she waited for the zookeeper to come. 
Now, isn't that amazing? I mean, just an amazing. You you can go, you can Google it. I'm sure if you're looking for something to do today, you can Google it. There's there's pictures and video of it online. You can go check it out for yourself. True story. 1996. Binti the gorilla caressed and held the little boy until the zookeepers were able to come and take him. <clears throat> I this first I first heard this story from one of my favorite commentators uh, named Dale Ralph Davis. And uh, he, I remember him telling this story, and then he made this comment. He said, now you hear that story, and you say, oh, isn't that sweet? Isn't that precious? This gorilla being so merciful to this little boy. But then he said this, but I bet if you were that boy's parents, you wouldn't want to try it again, would you? Right? Would you want your grandchild to go in there? Let's try it again. Let's see. Let's just see. Because after all, Davis says, after all, it is a gorilla. Then he said this, many Christians have a gorilla-like view of God's mercy. Many of us, sometimes, if we're honest, have a gorilla-like view of God's love and mercy. Oh, sure, sure, he loves us. He's, he's been merciful, but that was just that time. He's not going to be like that every time. What Jeremiah shows us here in Lamentations 3 is, oh, he is like that every time. His love is steadfast. His mercies are new every day. You can, you can count on it. Take it to heart, loved one. The, the lavish, the lavish constancy, the steadiness, the surety of God's love and mercy. Take it to heart. Take it to heart. And then sing with the hymn writer of old. Great is your faithfulness, O God, my Father. Great is your faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I've needed, your hand has provided. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto me. But dear Christian, your God is faithful. Rejoice in his faithfulness. And in whatever it is you're facing today, and ever in all that we are facing today, be held firmly by the biblical truth that God is faithful, the reality of his faithfulness, the steadfastness of his love, the steady stream of his mercies.